Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. Uh, he is the author of several books in the so-called Go-Giver series. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Bob. Hi, Jordan. Great to be with you. Uh, just give us a brief background of uh, your background and why you uh, created this whole go-giver uh, concept. Well, I began in broadcasting many years ago. From there, graduated into sales, really made a study of sales and and uh, did well at it and worked my way up to sales management and leadership and eventually began to teach sales to others. And my, my kind of area of... Um, expertise, if you will, was the prospecting and networking relationship building aspect and had a, a book out that came out in the mid nineties called endless referrals, network your everyday contacts into sales. And, uh, you know, from there I, I wrote a few other books, but I'd always read, uh, parables and always enjoyed parables and enjoyed how a short story could really connect with the reader and, uh, thought it would be a, a cool idea to take the basic premise of endless referrals, which was, that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, and put that in a parable form. So got together with John David Mann, and he and I co-authored the original book about The, the Go-Giver about 10 years ago, and we've had a few others uh, since then. So you, you have what you call the genuine influence idea. That's what you're talking about here in this Go-Giver Influencer. Book. Yeah, in the newest book, The Go-Giver Influencer, yes. So just kind of describe what you mean by how people attain genuine influence. Well, when you look at influence itself and you, you define the term on a, on a very basic level, it's simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. That's the definition of influence, though that's not really its, its substance or its essence. The, the essence, as we'd say, of influence is pull. Uh, pull as opposed to push, as in how far can you push a rope? And the answer is really not very far, at least not very fast or very effectively, which is why great influencers don't push. Uh, you never hear people say, wow, that Dave or that Mary, she's so influential. Uh, you know, she has a lot of push with people. It's that she has a lot of pull because that's what influence really is. It's an attraction. Great influencers attract people first to themselves and then to their ideas. And to do this, Jordan, they don't push themselves or push their will or, or push their ideas on others, but they, they pull. The way they do this is by shifting their focus, uh, moving from an I or me focus to an other focus. Um, really, you, they, they would ask themselves questions such as, how does what I want this person to do, how does it align with their goals, with their wants, their needs, their desires? How does what I'm asking this other person to do align with their values? What problems am I helping them to solve through this? And when asking ourselves these questions, uh, thoughtfully, intelligently, Genuinely, authentically, not as a way to manipulate another person into doing our will, but as a way of building everyone in the process, we've now come a lot closer to earning that person's commitment as opposed to trying to depend on some type of compliance. That's genuine influence. So what's so interesting about this in, in today's moment is what's going on, and we don't have to get political, but 
for for example, President Trump is is you wouldn't say pulling China, he's pushing and and other countries with tariffs and America first, you know, it's about us, not about you. Um, so and he's getting a lot of pushback from that. So what is your kind of analysis of the world situation right now in in the way you think about influence and and the way things are going where we're kind of bullying is the way they describe it, pushing people to do things that don't seem to be in their interest. Uh, well, you know, that is President Trump's style. He does push, and it's been effective for him in, in many ways. Um, it's not necessarily the style of other people, and uh, and we've got to realize people are going to do things according to their own style. Uh, when you look at political discussion uh, today, whether it's on television, whether it's at, at family gatherings or or social occasions or or online, you know, you look at the way people are communicating with each other these days or miscommunicating with these people and the argument itself, whether you're, you know, left or right or this or that or what have you, it's kind of moved from what used to be I'm right, you're wrong. And even that's not the ideal way to communicate, but it's kind of moved from I'm right to you're wrong to I'm right, you're evil. Yeah. And so whether someone is, uh, you know, is uh, uh, president Trump supporter or or um, detractor, or whether someone's on the left or the right, or whether someone's this or that, you know, it tends to be they're they're not looking at other people necessarily as human beings, but as kind of evil people without without good intent. And I think the first thing that we can do in terms of communication, political communication, absolutely, is understand that most people, and I'm not talking about the outliers who, you know, there are always going to be some people, but I'm talking about the 99.9% .9 of the people, whether you're way on the left or way on the right or a little bit to the left or a little to the right or in the middle, most people want positive results. You know, most people are good people with good intent. They may uh, believe the best way to go about it is different from what you believe or what I believe, but most people want. So I think if we can begin to look at the other person, if you will, or the other side, look at them as people, as human beings, not as monsters who are rooting for the destruction of the, co of the uh, country, I think uh, political discourse will get a lot more positive. So that's kind of on the domestic front, but how about internationally? Let's just take the Chinese, where we have the biggest uh, dispute with it right now. Uh, I mean, you could say we're not doing very well on the influence front when we're putting tariffs on them, and their response is not to give in, but to put more tariffs back on us and just to kind of tit for tat and have kind of an escalation of the whole trade war. If you were running it, how would you approach the Chinese? I mean, there are certain things they do that we don't like them to do as far as tariffs. <sighs> Stealing technology and well, all that, you know, but how would you approach it differently? Yeah, tariffs and technology are two totally different things. And I wish that, I, I personally wish the president understood that, uh, or maybe he doesn't, just isn't letting on, but I don't know what's in his, you know, what what is in his heart, mind, or, or what have you. But let's just assume that because tariffs and, and stealing technology are being sort of bundled in the same package, um, it's two different things. They definitely the Chinese should be should be uh, called out for the uh, stealing of technology. And there are channels. There are international channels to be able to to do that. Um, and in terms of if if you want to punish them, though, uh, putting tariffs on them is not the way to do it because tariffs hurt the consumer.
Yes. Uh, they don't hurt producers. And so, uh, you know, my, my feeling anyway when it comes to tariffs is I, I, I don't like them at all. And trade deficits are not a bad thing. It just simply means our consumers are getting a better deal than the other country's consumers go. You know, you'd like to see every country not have tariffs. Okay, it would be great if that was the case. But if that's not, the second best is is ignore their tariffs and, you know, I not ignore them. I mean, it, obviously you have to pay them. But, I mean, forget about them putting on tariffs. You're not going to pay them back by by having tariffs ourselves. We need to have no significant tariffs in this country other than, if you know, if you have a very low, low across-the-board tariff just to raise some some funds, but, um, so no, I, is is this a way to influence, I guess what you'd call the bullying approach. Okay. It's like, we're first, you have to submit to us and we're going to do maximum pressure on you. And I'm broadening from just the Chinese American relationship. If that's happening in a business relationship, does that ever work or is it, it always just poisons the well too much? There are times it can work very short term, but it's not sustainable. Um, any type of force is not sustainable. Force will only stay intact, or the result of force will only stay intact until until that person doesn't need to comply. Okay. So, whereas when you do it through what we would call persuasion as opposed to force, because the two types of influence, there's manipulation, which is negative, and, and manipulation also includes force. Uh, or there's persuasion. Persuasion means you're tapping into the best interests of the other person or the other country or the other entity, understanding that they're going to do it, they're going to take certain actions for their reasons. So when you can tap into the other person's reasons, that's when you have the best chance of it of it uh, uh, staying long term. Now, so again, you can influence, bully, coerce, force. You can do that short term if you are stronger than the other party. Uh, it's not the best way to do it, again, because it's not long lasting. But when you use persuasion, you're usually going to have better results even even immediately, but it's going to be long lasting. So you think in the case of U.S. and China, where they do have a common interest, I mean, they're, they're big trading partners with each other, uh-huh. that it could, could be done in a better way where we're influencing them to see what's in their best interests that works for our best interest and both come together as opposed to this kind of uh, force <laughs> technique going on it, right now. It would be ideal if that was the, if that was the case. Um, but if not, and if China is going to continue to to have you know high tariffs, uh, my feeling is just uh, let them have high tariffs if if they want. But we need to just bring down ours because it it just is not um, it's not helpful. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it, 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 trade deficits do not matter. They are not hurtful to the consumers. And I mean, Adam Smith showed this a couple of hundred and fifty or so years ago. Yeah. So you're saying that this happens in everyday business as well, is that people perceive the other side as the enemy or evil instead of what's in it for them that could work for me so that both sides benefit. Well, when you say business does, I, you know, I, you hope most don't, <laughs> the, the ones doing it correctly don't see it that way. The ones doing it correctly see other, see the other side as their partners and, and find ways to strengthen the other side, understanding that by strengthening the other side, they're going to strengthen themselves. Uh, Zig Ziglar, the great sales trainer, you know, used to say you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, as the seller, our job is to discover what the other party wants, needs, or desires and help them get it. That's how we sell our products. 
uh, and services. Nobody's going to buy for, uh, from us because we have a quota to meet or because we need the money or because we're nice people. They're going to buy from us because they believe they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. And in the relatively free market that we have, uh, that's the only reason why they should buy from us. Yes, very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. Uh, he is the co-author of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about the most persuasive idea. Uh, the website to find out more is thegogiver.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, Visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Has your small business been turned down for a loan by the bank? Is lack of capital hindering your business growth? Small businesses unable to obtain bank financing or tired of merchant cash advances can now get the financing they need. Corporate Lending Solutions provides short and long-term capital, revolving lines of credit, and unsecured business loans. Does your business need help with payables, supplies, or payroll? Corporate Lending Solutions has powerful programs to help. While getting a small business loan can be a long, daunting process, with Corporate Lending Solutions, it's simple and takes only one to three days. Call 800-261-6478 or visit CorporateLendingSolutions.com to learn more. 800-261-6478. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. He is the co-author of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about the most a most persuasive idea. Welcome back to the show, Bob. 
Thank you, Jordan. Great to be with you. At your website, thegogiver.com, what are some things people can find there? Well, aside from being able to get a couple of chapters of the any of the books to see if they like them first, they can also uh, subscribe to my podcast if they'd like, as well as the uh, uh, get a free report, Endless Referrals, The Go-Giver Way. What have been some of the reactions you've had? You've been doing this Go-Giver thing for about 10 years now. What yeah. kind of reactions have you had, and, and how have you changed people's perceptions of communication? Well, the initial feedback that we got after The Go-Giver first came out was from the people who were already uh, intuitively uh conducting their business this way, right? And so they were saying, you know, these were corporate leaders and these were top producing salespeople and sales uh, managers and saying, you know, this is what I've been trying to to teach people and uh, they don't listen to me, so I'm using your book now. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and you know how that is, right? The, the people don't listen to you even though you're, so we, they, sometimes you have someone from the outside who basically is saying the same thing you are. Because uh, people will listen, but uh, so that was the first. And then about six months, about six months later or so, we started getting the second wave of uh, feedback, and, and that was from the people who really had never heard of this type of thing before or doing business this way, and they had gotten the book from someone else, and they saw their businesses turn around and and so forth. So we, you know, we've always enjoyed that that kind of feedback, but really, there's nothing new that John and I talk about in the book. I mean, we put it in story form, and we do it in such a way that hopefully it's, it's very easy to grasp onto and, and visualize and then do. But, you know, these principles have been around since forever, I would imagine. Yeah. So you have what we call the five secrets of genuine influence. So let's go through those one at a time. The first one is to master your emotions. So what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, the, the sages asked, who is a mighty person? And they, they answered, that person who can control their own emotions and make of an enemy a friend. And this is really where it all begins, Jordan, because it's only when we are in control of ourselves, in control of our emotions, that we're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. And I think we all know this, and we know how much respect we have for the person who kind of can keep calm and keep their head in any situation. And yet, how often do we you know, based on what someone else says or does, do we allow them to push our emotional hot buttons and we make ourselves frustrated or impatient or angry or whatever, and we say or do something that really has the direct opposite results of what we're looking to accomplish. And, you know, we know better and we might ask ourselves, well, why is that? And the reason is we're human beings. And as human beings, we're emotional creatures. It's how we were uh, created, I guess. And and we'd like to think we're logical, and to a certain extent, of course, we are. But we're pretty emotionally driven. We make major decisions based on emotion. We back up those decisions with logic, and we we rationalize. We tell ourselves rational lies to justify these emotional decisions, or or the uh, or reacting in ways that we really shouldn't. So, uh, what we're not suggesting is that you ignore or lose or forego your emotions or deny your emotions. Not, not at all. First, it, it wouldn't work, right? It, it's contrary to human nature, but also there's no reason for it. Emotions are a great part of life. They bring us joy. They make life worthwhile. We're just saying that, that you need to control. We as human beings, we need to control our emotions as opposed to our emotions controlling us, or as my friend Dondi Scumachi puts it, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. 
This is what you call the seatbelt principle of emotions. Is that what you mean? Yeah. In other words, you need to be driving the car with your emotions in the passenger side, seatbelt safely buckled so that they can't cause any mischief. <laughs> uh, you know, it's sort of like if you have a, let's say in one of the characters in the one of the book, one of the mentors in the story uh, told the, said to her, ment, uh, her protege, you know, imagine you're a company. As a company, you have a, you're the CEO, right? Your mind, you're, uh, as the company, you're the CEO. Uh, and you have a board of directors. Well, the logical part of your brain is your company CEO. Your emotions are your board of directors. Just like any CEO would would consult with their emotions because the or consult with their board of directors because the board has has good information, good wisdom to share. Ultimately, the CEO knows he or she needs to make the final decision. It's the same with our logic and emotion. Uh, sure, uh, consult with our emotions. They have wisdom to share, but it's our logical mind that needs to be making the decisions if we want to create the context where our decisions are are most likely to be the best ones. So again, let's take this to the Oval Office where we have somebody who's been on the emotional side. I mean, so he gets criticized, and he immediately lashes back, uh, you know, with Twitter and uh, insulting people and all that. So if if you do that style, what is the downside of kind of letting your emotions take over? Is what often happens with him. Well, the, the you know the downside is that. People who are not inclined to agree with him are, you know, really hate him. They disdain him. And now, if if that's if he doesn't mind that, then well, that's okay. Obviously, it's working for him. But remember, things have worked for him that that haven't worked for anyone else. And we saw this during the uh, we saw this during the uh, campaign for presidency, uh, first in the the primaries and then in the uh, general election. So, you know, he's sort of a an enigma in in the sense that. Um, that he has been able to really get away with doing things in a certain way that I've I've personally never seen a politician uh-huh. <laughs> uh, be able to do. What was it they used to say on the on the uh, in the news? Uh, 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 candidate Trump had his worst, his most horrible day ever. So he'll probably be going up in the polls tomorrow. <laughs> it is an unusual combination. Yeah. So it's it's not really it's not really duplicatable. It's it's he's a hard person to to utilize as an example. Of of what can go wrong if he does yes. with the right. <laughs> Indeed, he's not big at mastering his emotions. I mentioned myself. Right. Yes. Well, and, but the consequences to him aren't as they would be for most of us either. So right. Yeah. <laughs> now the second step is to step into the other person's shoes. So explain explain what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, this you know this sounds trite because we've heard it before. You know, step into the other person's shoes, and it sounds easy until you realize that most of us have different size feet. So we're literally, we can't necessarily step into another person's shoes. Figuratively, we can't step into another person's mind and know what they're thinking because we come from different belief systems, different ways of seeing the world, different models of how the world works, different experiences. So, uh, and most conflict is really the result of two or more people seeing the same basic thing from different viewpoints. So what we need to do is really two things. One is we need to ask questions. Let's stop assuming that we know what the other person's thinking. We don't. But this is also a very human thing, Jordan, because as human beings, we tend to think that most people see the world basically the same way we do. 
And that's, that's, that's intuitive. I mean, how could it be any different? It's, it's all we know. This is why you hear people say things like, oh, everybody likes that. Or, oh, no one would want that. Uh, or, you know, oh, I would never do that to someone or say that to someone. Well, no, you wouldn't or I wouldn't because it's not congruent with our belief systems. But other people think and act differently. So what we need to do is, number one, ask questions. Ask questions. Number two, we need to listen. But not just listen, not just listen with our ears. One of the other mentors in the story told his protege, uh, Jillian, he said, you know, don't listen with your ears. That's that's how everyone does this. That's surface listening, right? That's the listening in order to speak. You're, you're simply waiting your turn to speak. You're giving them their two cents so that you can get in your 10 cents. Um, that's listening with your ears. What he said was, listen with your eyes. Listen with your posture. Listen, he said, with the back of your neck. And what he meant by that was to really put your entire being into, into listening to this person. And when you do this, two things happen. One is you become a lot more knowledgeable. You actually do understand what your uh, negotiating partner or what your, your prospective buyer or seller or what the person on your team who you're leading or, or the boss you're talking to, you get to actually know more about what they are thinking. Secondly, when you listen this way, the other person feels listened to. They feel heard. They feel understood. And it's a very basic human emotion to desire to feel understood by another person and to have more like and trust for that person who understands you. So it, it there is really a wonderful payoff in terms of influence to, to ask questions and then really, really listen. So even if you disagree, I mean, you're coming out from one point of view, you're listening with the back of your neck and you're really into it but you think the way they look at things is just really wrong. You just have to kind of accept it or understand it. I mean, kind of what do you do with it once you understand where they're coming from? Well, you do. You, well, it is important to understand. Unless you understand where they're coming from, there, there's nothing you can do with it. Um, and this is why so much uh, political discourse breaks down. Because, again, if you look at the other side uh, as though they are, you know, evil people, right? Yeah. Uh, then, you know, why even bother – having a conversation with them. You can't, there's nothing you can say to them. There's nothing you can say that's going to persuade them or influence them. Uh, you're looking at them as being evil and they know you're looking at them that way. And <laughs> you know, that they're not, that that's not going to, uh, that's not going to do anything. So, uh, yeah, you don't have when you, to, to understand how another person thinks or where they're coming from, that doesn't mean you agree with them. But yeah. you're in a much better position to influence them when you first understand why and what they even think in the first place. This is what people talk about civil discourse, right? And it's right. so ra rare today. It's so polarized. Oh, that, absolutely. Why is it that we've lost civil discourse? Uh, you know, it's it's hard to say. Um Certainly social media has the, the good news about social media is it's provided everyone a platform to to speak their mind. The bad news about social media is that it's provided everyone a platform to speak their mind. And many people speak their mind without really knowing what they're talking about. And if you've noticed, the people who who kind of know the least tend to have the most strong opinions. And uh, again, I think that's human nature. And you, you know, you, you hear me say human nature a lot when it comes to influence because successful people, great influencers, 
great negotiators, great business people. They, they, they understand and they respect human nature, which doesn't mean that they think everything about it is great, but they respect it in terms of they, they first look at what the truth is about others. Then from there, you know, they don't, in other words, it's not a matter of, oh, people shouldn't be this way. It's that people are this way. Now, how am I going to utilize this and approach it the correct way? They're not judging it. They're just saying that's the fact. That, that that's the, ah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, very good. All right. We have to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. Uh, he is the author, uh, co-author of the Go-Giver book of, uh, series of books. His latest one's called The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea. You can find out more at his website, thegogiver.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. He is the co-author, along with John David Mann, of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea. Uh, Bob's website is thegogiver.com. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Thank you, Jordan. So we talked about the first two uh, uh, secrets of genuine influence, which is to master your emotions and step into the other person's shoes. Now, the third one is to set the frame. What do you mean by that? Yeah, and this one's so important that that when you do this correctly, you're about 90% of the way to getting the results you want. A frame is the foundation from which everything else takes place. Uh, can I share my favorite frame story sure, with you? Go for and it, it. And yep. this had, has nothing to do with the business. I was in a Dunkin' Donuts, this is about three years ago, I was in a Dunkin' Donuts, and um, there was a little boy about maybe two, two and a half years old, a little toddler, and he was running around the restaurant, and his parents called him back over to the table. So he starts walking over, and as he does, he takes a spill on the floor. He slips and falls. He didn't hurt himself, you could tell, but you could also tell that he was shocked. He was surprised. This was not in his uh, usual pattern, right? And so he, the first thing he did is he looked at his, his mom and dad to get their interpretation of the event. In other words, what happened, happened. He wanted to know, okay, what comes next? Jordan, I, I truly believe that had his parents gotten panicky and upset and, oh no, are you okay? I think he would have started to cry. But what they did is they just handled it so beautifully. Uh, they walked over quickly, but very calmly, very serenely. They they smiled and they they laughed and they applauded and they said, "Oh, what a great trick! You know, what a nice trick! That looks like so much fun!" And immediately the little boy began to laugh. Mm -hmm. Now, what the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. We can do that whenever we meet someone new, enter into a transaction or a negotiation or what, what have you. It can be as simple as a genuine smile on your face or the way you greet someone and, or, or however, I mean, that's fairly simple. The, the question is what happens when someone else comes at it from an already negatively set frame. <laughs> now we have a choice. We either buy into that negative frame, which isn't very productive usually for either party, or we reframe, we reset the frame. Uh, let's take an example. Let's take, a, if we may, a sales example. Okay. okay. You, you're about to do a presentation and the person, uh, your prospective client, uh, they seem kind of agitated, defensive. Uh, they kind of let you know they're not some easy sale and blah, 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 whatever. They just, who knows what's going on and you're not in a position where you can really ask them and discover. So you, you just kind of, that's their frame. If you, if you accept that frame, uh, you're defensive and you're kind of, you know, well, it's probably not gonna work out well. So what if you reset the frame by saying something like, uh, you know, Dave or you know, Mary, while we've been able to help a lot of people with this product, whether or not it's the right fit for you, the right answer for you, we simply can't know without exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your specific needs. So 
please know this conversation is for both of us to discover that. And if it does, great. Uh, if not, that's okay too. So boom, we, we've just reframed this from an adversarial situation to one of two allies, both of us looking for what's best for this person. Yeah. Okay. The, the next uh, secret is to communicate with tact and empathy. So how does that work? Well, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I've always enjoyed that definition because to me, it takes a strong person, a mighty person to speak tactfully, especially when someone says or does something that can be upsetting, uh, to think first before you speak, to actually, if you will, edit your speech before you speak, to ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to build up or tear down? Is it going to you know, uh, help or harm? And tact really is, in a sense, it's a way of being able to correct someone or, or critique someone or constructively criticize someone, not something we ever want to do, but we're talking the real world, not a fantasy world. And sometimes we have to be able to do that. Tact is really a way of communicating an idea to someone that they ordinarily might not enjoy or appreciate, but it's doing so in such a way that not only are they not defensive toward us and resistant to our idea, but they're open to us and more accepting of our idea. So speaking tactfully is really a key to being a, a powerful, genuine influencer. Empathy is sort of tax cousin, right? It, um, they're related. The dictionary definition of empathy is the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. But, you know, we don't always understand how another person feels. Usually we don't because we're not them. And so empathy isn't necessarily that you understand how they feel, but it's communicating. And that communication might be by what you say or by how you say it or just by how you show up. It's communicating to that person that you understand that they are feeling something which is distressful to them and that you are there to help them work through that. So you don't necessarily have to agree. Just kind of understand where they're coming from. Is what oh, you're abs absolutely. Exactly. Uh, you know, let, let's say you're a financial advisor, okay, and you're working with some of you have a prospective customer and you need to, or maybe they are, maybe they become a customer, a client, whatever, and you're going through with them their, all their financial information. Uh, now, to you who does this every day, well, it's nothing to ask someone all this personal information. It's just what you do. You don't think twice about it. But to this person, and you don't know, maybe they were brought up that you don't discuss money with strangers or, you know, they they are, you know, ashamed of, of the little amount that they have that they think they should have or that they may have lost lately or whatever the reason might be. You can, if you're empathetic, you're kind of paying attention to the signals and you're looking to see where they're uncomfortable and you're able to tactfully give an eye message that helps them uh, understand that you're there uh, to help them with this and with that and make them feel safe in this conversation. A lot of it is nonverbal as well, right? It's not just what you say, but it's, it's body language and all that. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So what, what is kind of empathetic and tactful body language, if you can describe that? Uh, I, I would say that it's, it's kind of, and, and when I say matching them, I don't mean being a mirror or doing a manipulative type of thing, but it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it is mirroring them a little bit just to kind of, to, to get into rapport. By the way, 
mirroring is something that two people do naturally when they're already in rapport. If you've ever watched a couple that that seems to be, you know, um, positioned kind of the same way while they're sitting on a couch or or even mm-hmm. in two different chairs, it's just it's it's a very natural uh, aspect of humanity when we're in uh, when we're in uh, sync with someone. Yeah. And so, you know, doing that is something that can help. But again, you, you want to make sure that's not yeah, something you're doing manipulatively. It's not artificial. It has to be yeah, kind right, of Exactly. Real. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. And your fifth secret is to let go of having to be right. So what happens when you let go of having to be right? Well, yeah, this is this is kind of an interesting one because it's it's very counterintuitive. We're talking about influence, right? And so it's about what? Let go of having to be right? Are you saying you don't care about being right? No, of course not. We we care about being right. We want to be right. We prefer to be right. And we're going to be prepared to be right. What we're going to do, though, is we're going to lose our attachment to having to be right. And this is significant because when you lose that attachment, when you let go of having to be right, you put yourself into learner's mode and you're able to take in information that the person who's not, who can't let go of having to be right, they won't allow themselves to to have. Uh, This is the person who, you know, my mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. Okay. And, And we know that can be, that can be difficult. So, what we want to do is not, you know, is, is open ourselves up to that other person's idea, which again, doesn't mean we have to agree with it. That's, that's not the point at all. We certainly don't. But when we open ourselves up, we can take in information and then put it against, you know, our current knowledge and, and make a logical decision from there. And when we do this, not only do we gain more knowledge than the other person, so we're really in a position of strength, but this other person, when they see that you're not looking just to be right or to be right at, at their expense, they become much more trusting, much more open, and, and much more amenable to your thoughts and ideas. And if this happens, particularly in a sales situation, it clearly make a big difference in getting the sale or not. Is that right? Well, sure, because you're not just saying my product is the right product for you no matter what. No, you're opening up, you're listening, and you're making sure this person knows that your first interest is serving them, bringing value to them, not just making the sale. But, I mean, a lot of salespeople don't do that. Right? And then they, you're saying they're losing sales they might have otherwise if it was – Framed differently. Oh, sure, absolutely. The 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 um, uh, the best salespeople, the most profitable salespeople, their focus is on bringing value to others and communicating that value to others. Understanding that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. That's why we say that money is simply an echo of value. Indeed. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. He, along with John David Mann, are authors of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea. Uh, the website to find out more is thegogiver.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. 
The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, Secured Real Estate Income Strategy screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Bob Berg. He and John David Mann are co-authors of The Go-Giver Influencer, a little story about a most persuasive idea. His website is thegogiver.com. Welcome back to the show, Bob. Thank you, Jordan. So here are some specific situations. Let's try to put this into uh, effect here. The first one is if you have to say no when somebody is requesting something of you, but how do you do that and start kind of still keep the relationship going. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting to be a, a great influencer. We really need to be able to say no, and we need to be able to say no to people more than we say yes, because the more successful the person gets, obviously the more, uh, people want from them and you simply can't say yes to most things and still be effective and still be able to serve the people you need to serve. So the question is, so how, how do I say no when people ask me to do things? Uh, but how do I do it in a way that's, that's kind and respectful and still honors my boundaries? So, you know, I've, I've heard people uh, teach different ways of saying no. And while I absolutely positively don't mean to to dismiss anyone's style or way of doing things, there's a couple of ways that are usually taught that I, I simply disagree with. And I'll, I'll tell you first what those are. One, and this has become quite in vogue uh, in the last few years, and that is the saying, no is a complete sentence. In other words, when you need to say no, just say no, I, you know, whatever. And I know it. Huh? That's it with no further explanation. Right. You know, no is a complete sentence and people write it down and they feel empowered. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And my thought is really, 
Is that how you're going to say no to somebody? You know, let's say someone asked you to serve on a committee. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a compliment to be asked, but it's not, it's just not something you want to do. And you probably shouldn't if you don't want to. Uh, but certainly when they ask you, you're not just going to say no. <laughs> I mean, first it would be rude. Secondly, you're probably going to turn this friend into an enemy or this acquaintance into an enemy. They're never going to ask you to do anything else. And you might not want to close the door on, on future opportunities to do things with them. Um, it, but mostly the reason you're not going to say no that way is because it's incongruent with your value system, which is to treat people with respect. So I, I don't think that's a good way. Another way that's taught is, well, just kind of say a little white lie, like, well, I would, but I, I, I don't have time right now. The problem with that is, is a couple fold. One is it's not that you don't have time. You know, none of us have time. We make time to do those things that we want to do. But no, the, 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 the reason is you just don't want to do it. <laughs> and you, yeah. you hold more value in not doing it than in doing it. And so you don't feel good about the fact that you're sort of fibbing. Um, but also this person hears this excuse all the time and they have an answer for it. So when they persuasively share with you why time won't be an issue, now you're stuck. Now you've either got to admit and come clean that you were kind of fibbing or in order to save face, you've now got to accept this assignment that you don't want to accept. So I don't think either of those ways are particularly good ways to say no. Here's a very simple way. This is very easy practice it a couple of times with someone and it will set you free for the rest of your life. And it's simply like this. And again, the person asks if you'll serve on it, would you serve on this committee? You just say, thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Mm -hmm. That's it. Okay. Or if you want to say it a little differently, it could be, thank you so much for asking. Uh, while it's not something I choose to do, please know it's an honor just to be asked. Either way, what you've done is you're very polite, kind, respectful. You honored them. But what you didn't do is you did not give an excuse. You didn't yeah. give them a hook to hang on to and overcome. Okay? So that's how to do it. Now, if the person... Uh, takes it, you know, one step more if they're a little bit pushy and they say, oh, but come on, we really need blah, 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 blah. you just without defensiveness, you just wait and, and let them finish. And then once they pause, you simply say, oh, again, I'd rather not, but thank you so much for asking. Yeah. Boom. Don't, don't give that, them the hook as you say. Right. That will set you free and you will retrain people to know that when they ask you something and that they're always welcome to ask. Uh, but that when you say no, it's no. And by the way, this works in person, works over the phone, works in email. Yeah. What are some questions you sh people should ask to stop misunderstandings from happening? Well, you know, this goes back to belief systems where uh, where we, we see the world from different viewpoints, yet we don't think we, we do. So someone says something and misunderstandings happen when... Let's take a corporate situation. There's a small work team. There's, a, there's the team leader and there's three people. Uh, the team leader says, hey, on, on Monday morning says, hey, there's been a change. Uh, I've been told from upstairs that this uh, new client project, we need to, to get it in as soon as possible. You all need to have your work in as soon as possible. Okay, boom. Wednesday, end of day, he, uh, the person calls their, their team, three team members over. One, only one person has their work done. Well, uh, because to this person, as soon as possible means you drop everything and you, you do it right now. To another person on the team, as soon as possible means 
first get done the work you're already working on and then work on the new project. The other person who came from a totally different silo within the company as soon as possible to them meant nothing. Just give it lip service and keep doing what you're doing. So you yeah. had four, you know, three, three different people who had three different definitions of as soon as possible. So if someone was going to overcome this, what they would do that one of the people on the team might say to the team leader, hey, Pat, uh, just for my own clarification, and that's tact, saying just for my own clarification, just for my own clarification, uh, when you say as soon as possible, is there a specific day or time you're thinking of? And then Pat would have said, uh, yes, uh, Wednesday, end of day, 5 o'clock, it has to be in. Now we're all boom. It's it's always clarifying. It's never assuming that the other person knows what you mean by what you say or that you know what they mean by what they say because they don't and you don't. And you might be surprised at what they say. <laughs> what you what they think and what you think might be different, but that's yeah, making it clear. Which which is doing yes. 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 You you have what you call the eight key words to success for influence. Uh, we don't have time to go into all of them, but what are those words? Yeah. Well, you know, you can move a person to your side of the issue. Someone who who doesn't have to do something for you, the customer service person who's not obligated to do what you need, or the person in the other division of the company, or what have you. But you've you've asked them for what you need, and you've been polite, you've been patient, you've gone through these five, and then at the very end, when they're on the fence, but they're kind of leaning your way, what you'd say is, "If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand." If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. What you're doing is with respect and tact, you're giving them the out or back door so you're not painting them into a corner, but you're letting them know that, yes, I believe you can do it, but if you truly can't, you're more important than the outcome. So if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And then what you can do, by the way, is pause a few seconds and then you can say, if you could, I'd certainly appreciate it. <laughs> and boom, nine, 99 times out of 100. If, if they they'll, can do it for you, they they'll will. find a way to get it done. Yes, yeah. indeed. So what, what difference does it make in people's lives if they follow your advice and are go-givers uh, in, instead of the way a lot of people are, kind of go-takers, I guess you might say. Go-takers, exactly, yeah. Um, well, you know, I kind of look at it this way. Every day, your success in business, your peace of mind, perhaps even your, your happiness in life, really depends upon dealing successfully with other people. So when you can get the results you want when dealing with others in such a way that everyone comes away a winner and everyone feels good about the outcome, basically you're creating the environment in your own life, in your own business, where it's a lot more fun, it's a lot less stressful, and it's really a lot more profitable. And that makes a big difference in people's lives to get what uh, they want. Because yep. a lot of people don't get what they want, you're saying. And you're That's saying right. the go-taker approach, they're going to get a lot less of what they want. It, they, absolutely. Makes absolutely. a big difference. Very good. Well, my guest this hour has been Bob Berg. He, along with John David Mann, uh, have written several books uh, in the Go-Giver series. Uh, not only the one we've been talking about, Go-Giver Influencer, but also Go-Giver Sell More, the Go-Giver Leader, and then the Go-Giver was the original one as well. You can find out more about all these at thegogiver.com. Thanks so much for being a great guest on The Money Answer Show. Oh, so appreciate you having me with you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Bob. And we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next.